This is a topic that uh, may or may not be on our hearts, but it's on our calendars, and we need to be thinking about what are we thankful for. And we shouldn't have to sit and think. I've told you this before. Uh, in my family, every now and then, I'll just spring it on my kids. It's time for thankful things. And, they may, and when I say it's time for thankful things, then it means we have to go around the room, and everybody has to come up with three things they're thankful for. And sometimes, on some days, they just come right out. You know, the kids are just, ooh, you know, this, this, and this. The, 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 the dessert and the candy and the ice cream or whatever, you know. Uh, and there's other days, it's like, oh, there's nothing to be thankful for today, Dad. It was a bad day. School took forever, and it rained, and uh, I got sick, and whatever. Well, the truth of the matter is, as a Christian, we have so much to be thankful for no matter what we face, no matter what's going on. Just a week ago, I talked about navigating a national disappointment. And uh, sometimes things don't go our way. Sometimes there are things that grieve us in our families, in our, in our, in our communities, in our nation, in our world. But even in those things that grieve us and burden us and drive us to pray, we should still do so from a, a platform of praise and thanksgiving. There's still so much to thank God for. All the way through the Bible, we are commanded to give thanks. Thankfulness is something that is key to the Christian life. It's also key to your attitude I think there'd be less depression, less mental health issues, and so forth if people were thankful. There's so much, so many caustic influences and toxic influences in our lives. I don't know if you heard, but Elon Musk bought Twitter. And so I thought, well, I wonder what's going to happen there. I'll hop back on and see. And it's still toxic. It's, everyone's mad about something. Everyone's complaining about this, complaining about that. And I, it's like you can spend 15 minutes on there and just come away going, oh, man. I, I, it's just a, it's a, it must be just dark outside all the time. Uh, it, it's not cool to be happy and thankful. It's cool to be critical and complaining and so forth. But as a Christian, as those called to be lights in a dark world, we need to be those who are able to thank God regardless of what we're facing. With tears in our eyes, maybe, we can still thank the Lord. For David, we're going to be in Psalm 7. For David, David clung to praise. And he was a guy who gave thanks and praise through many, many ongoing trials and difficulties. Setbacks and dashed hopes. He faced betrayal. Betrayal, first of all, by his king, King Saul, whom he served with everything he had. And on, his, on Saul's darkest days, he was by his side, or maybe not by his side, across the room, a javelin's throw away, uh, sitting there playing his harp and singing and trying to help this poor guy out. And what did he get for his work? He got uh, a javelin thrown at him a couple of times. I'd call that betrayal. Some of his trusted friends betrayed him. But worse than that, some of his family members, his close family members betrayed him. 
He ran for his life after being anointed king. He hid in rocks and caves, and he probably wondered many times, did Samuel, the old man, get it wrong that day when he came and anointed me with oil? Maybe that old guy had been out in the sun too long. Maybe he didn't know what he was talking about. I don't know. God seemed to have promised something, but it's not coming through. All the things that he faced, and yet if you read the Psalms, you are confronted over and over and over with how many times David would stop and give praise. And sometimes there's a battle in his Psalms. He battles with complaint and then praise. And then more complaint, and then, but i got to thank the Lord. And then, oh, but I'm hurting, and I'm grieving, and I'm complaining. And then he goes back to praise, but he, he's always, he always ends on that note of praise. I believe praise and thanksgiving is what helped David to be the man after God's own heart. The man that faced so much and came through it on the victory side. <clears throat> As I mentioned, we might be grieved for our country like he was grieved for his, but are we able to come through it and grieve from the side of thanksgiving and praise? In Psalm 7, David is responding to an enemy, apparently a guy by the name of uh, Cush the Benjamite. It says in my Bible, uh, the, the, the heading says, a plea for the protection from enemies, uh, Shigion of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. People don't really know who Cush was. He was a Benjamite, and uh, Saul, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Is there a connection there? Kish with a K, Cush with a C. Uh, I've looked at different scholars on this. Some people think it was a relation. Uh, some people think it was referring to Saul himself. Uh, regardless, this was an enemy that was, that was pretty powerful and was hunting him down and uh, was getting him to potentially despair. This enemy was determined to slay him. So how do you hang on to promises when you're dealing with in-your-face opposition? Well, David handled it with praise. He handled it with thanksgiving. But I want us to think together what it was that helped him to do this. Because sometimes you're having a bad day and you're in a dark place and <clears throat> you think, oh yeah, I'm supposed to praise, but it goes nowhere. And uh, it's, it's more than just happy thoughts. Let me just think some happy thoughts. Let me just be positive. Let me just be optimistic. That's not what it is for a Christian. It's not just optimism or happy thoughts. There is something that is a key to maintaining your praise in, tri in trying times, and I believe that we're going to see that in this passage. What is the, what is the key <clears throat> that helps you to be able to praise God and thank God when, humanly speaking, it shouldn't be, praise should be the last thing on your lips. Well, let's look at this. Let's pick it up. Well, we'll start at the very end, verse 17, just to give the sound guys something to do. They got to quickly flip around. Oh, they're good. Look at that. And I think I have a typo. It should say, thir uh, I don't have the right reference up there, but it's 16 through 17. There we go. All right. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. That's how he ends. And he begins very much, very similarly, praising the Lord. Let's go back to the beginning. O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. 
Lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces, while there is none to deliver. O oh, oh Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. Stop there for a moment. This is the phrase that causes many to think that he is referring to Saul, that maybe Cush the Benjamite was Saul the son of Kish, maybe another name for him, because did he not do this with Saul? Did he not deliver him that without cause was his enemy? So maybe, maybe this is speaking of Saul. Regardless, whoever this guy was, he is rewarding David evil for good. Going on, verse 5, let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Let, yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust. Selah. Arise, O Lord, in thine anger. Lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. He's asking God to arise and defend him. To awake as if the Lord is slumbering. Sometimes it seems as though God is slumbering, but God's not asleep. He goes on to say, So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about. For their sakes, therefore, return thou on high. <clears throat> the Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just and... Uh, sorry, the just, for the righteousness, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous and is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, <clears throat> he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. So he is ready to defend the righteous. Behold, now speaking of the persecutor, he travaileth with iniquity and hath conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. But what will I do, David says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. David would know what to do if he was here today and he had the opportunity to pray for a nation and preach to a nation and vote for certain candidates in the nation and it didn't go his way he, he would know what to do he would say let's 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 leave these folks with the lord according to these verses the lord's got it all very well underway and let's praise god let's thank him and praise him for what he who he is and what he is doing Let's stop for a moment of prayer lord i pray that you'd help us with this passage to be able to come to a place where we have the same vantage point as David, where we, where we look at our lives and we burst forth in praise, regardless of our enemies, regardless of any, any betrayal, uh, regardless of any uh, upheavals in, in, our, in the structure of our lives, in our justice system. We pray that you'd help us to find that ground 
to be able to thank you and praise you as David did. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this passage, I believe, helps reveal several things about uh, David and how he remained steadfast in his commitment to thank the Lord and praise the Lord. So we'll see, first of all, David's distress. Look at David's distress. He speaks of this in verse 1. He he talks about them that are persecuting him. He speaks of persecution. And he cries out for help, lest he be torn like a lion, rent in pieces. uh, And he says, with no deliverer. He recognized there was nobody going to help him but God. He was not trusting in a politician. He was not trusting in a king. The king he knew was throwing stones, uh, not stones, javelins at him. Uh, He was trusting in the Lord. He's crying out to the Lord his God, the only one who can actually deliver him in this situation. I think nationally our our country's in that spot. There's nobody who is going to deliver us the way we need to be delivered. I know Trump announced his candidacy today. Uh, from what I understand. Uh, that's not going to deliver our nation. No man is going to de- deliver our nation. There are, there are no second comings I'm excited about except for Jesus' second coming, okay? Uh, now, of course, I'm going to vote. I'm going to do my due diligence to search out each candidate, compare them with the other side. Nobody's going to be perfect, but I will vote for the one who gives me the most, as I said to some of you uh, before, the one who gives us the most freedom to have the most time to do what God uh, has given us uh, his, his command to do, I'll vote. But I'm trusting the Lord. And so was David. David had his mighty men, but you don't see him writing the psalm to them. Help me, guys! Help me, mighty men! No. You see him writing the psalm to the Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. David's distress was that which God used to help direct his focus to where it needed to be. And may God do that with us. Whatever distress you're facing individually, may it be that which directs your focus to God. Whatever distress we are facing nationally, may it be that which directs our focus to God. And I'll tell you, When things don't go our way, according to how we vote or pray or whatever, if if then we just kind of say, oh, okay, back to our regularly scheduled lives, uh, then maybe that's the problem. The distress has not gotten home enough to really change our lives and change our urgency in the direction that we're going. We see, of course, there's, there's a distress here, but then You see, secondly, David's defense. He says in verse 10, my defense is of God. Distress will lead you to a place where you have to find something solid to stand on. And he comes to the only defense that is worthy, and that is the Lord. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. And you can see, that he saw himself as one who was helpless without God. In verse 1, he says these words, save me, and he says, deliver me. He says, I'm trusting in you. In verse 6, he is depending on the fact that God is the judge who will judge righteously. Arise, O Lord, he says, 
In thine anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies and awake for, awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. Judge righteous judgment. I'm depending on it, Lord. And God is the judge who will always judge right. We had the opportunity last week, last Tuesday, to vote for judges. I didn't vote for any judge who always judges right. I, jo- I, ju- I voted for some judges that I, I hoped would do okay, at least okay or better than the other guy. <clears throat> but the Bible says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? David's defense was God the righteous judge. Verse 12 and 13. This defense speaks of his sword and his arrows. Verse 12. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. Hey, this is quite a defense. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. In other words, this is a stronghold. So many times in so many other, other of the Psalms, David talks about God being his fortress, my rock, my strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. He doesn't use that exact analogy here, but there's a lot of similarities as he says, uh, there's more firepower on our side than their side. It's going to be okay. God is my defense. I'm safe. Folks, there are times <clears throat> where our, our senses are telling us we're not safe. If you hang out online and l- listen to enough stuff and watch enough videos, and uh, you can get so stirred up, you can get so worked up, and you can say, oh, no, it's all coming down. Everything's coming down. It's, uh, we're, we're losing the whole place. We're losing America. We've lost it all. But, folks, we've got to remember, we, we did read the end of the book, Revelation. We do know it is all coming down. But we're going to be on the victory side. So if we don't spend all your time watching videos exposing all of the horrible, horrible things that we know are probably going to come anyway, because it just tends to just deflate us and discourage us and it just overwhelms us. Rather, spend your time remembering who your defense is and what he has uh, on his side, on our side. Hey, I'm just like you. I'm human. And I can get discouraged easy. I have to think about my defense. When I think about my kids and my grandkids, Lord willing, going into who's, who knows what if the Lord doesn't come back before then. I tell you, sometimes it, it, can just, it can just stop me cold in my tracks, just thinking, what are they going to face? What is, what is awaiting them? And yet, at the, other, at the other hand, I'm thinking, wait a minute, am I selling them short? Maybe what's awaiting them is some of the greatest days this world's ever seen. Maybe some of the greatest opportunities, maybe some of the greatest revivals, maybe some of the greatest moves of the Spirit. And I'm sitting here trembling in my boots. I mean, I, and I've heard of other Christians say, preacher, maybe, maybe Christians should stop having kids because, look, I mean, we're, we're going to send them into all of this. That's a defeated way to look at this world. And, and uh, David didn't see it that way. He said, God has my back. And he has a sword that's wet. In other words, sharp. And his arrows and his bows, they, they're bent and ready to go. He's bent his bow and he's made it ready. 
He's got the instruments of death. In other words, he is able to take care of himself, his cause, and the righteous that he will defend. Folks, we need to have an attitude that is equal to the side that we're on. When I was a kid, sorry for all you Detroit friend, fa fans, but I was a Chicago Bulls fan back in the days that the Detroit Pistons and the Bulls were doing this. And uh, I remember um, when the Bulls won 72 games. They were 72 and 10. It seemed like nobody could beat them. And as a Bulls fan, anytime they faced anybody, we're just like, yeah, they're going down. It's going to be great. It's great to be a Bulls fan in the 90s, you know. Uh, <clears throat> no, one's, no one's wringing their hands. There was two, two three-peats. You know, Michael Jordan's retirement was in between the two three-peats. It was a great decade for Bulls fans, right? It would have been silly to be wringing your hands and sweating and angst, angst and all of this. And, oh, look at whose side you're on. Sorry, I might have just lost the audience with that illustration. But anyway, uh, you get the idea David says, look at whose side I'm on. Look at who's defending me. I'm not going to lose my peace and my praise and the position that God has brought me to. We're on the winning side. When you go through distress, be reminded of your defense. We saw David's distress. We saw David's defense. But thirdly, and this is most importantly, uh, David's dedication is seen through this. And what am I speaking of here? I want to specifically focus in on David's integrity and character. Why didn't I just say that? Well, I needed three Ds, you know, distress, uh, defense, and dedication. But we're talking about his dedication to the Lord, his, his, his integrity, his character, his honor, uh, his walk with the Lord. Did you notice that going through? At the beginning of this, I said we're going to examine I believe we're going to discover <clears throat> what is the key to staying on the side of praise and thanksgiving regardless of what comes. So what is that key? I believe it has to do with David's integrity, David's character, David's dedication to the Lord. Look at a couple of things here with me. Verses 3 through 6, O Lord my God, if I have done this, he's saying, if I've done wrong and these enemies coming at me are basically your judgment for my wrongdoing, if I'm guilty, uh, he says, uh, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that with, was without cause, mine enemy, he says. But if I have, let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust, Selah. And Selah means sit and think about it for a second. Now, when I first read this, I read it a little bit disjointedly. You know how you read something, you get distracted, you come back down, you read. And when I got to verse 5, I, th I just thought he was discouraged. I thought he was calling out, Oh, Lord, just let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Let him tread me down. I thought, boy, David's really having a, a tough time. He's just discouraged. Then I backed up. I said, oh, no, that's not what he's saying. <laughs> that's not what he's saying at all. He's not down in the dumps, just giving up. He's saying, if I'm guilty of this persecution, 
If iniquity is found in me, if I've given evil to those who were at peace with me, which I haven't done, by the way, then let the wicked take me because I'm guilty. Let them tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor. Well, because what honor is it? If, if he's guilty, lay my honor in the dust. And he says, Selah. Let's just leave it right there. Now, David was not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. We all are very familiar with his sins that are recorded in the Word of God. But yet David is referred to as the man after God's own heart. How do you reconcile those two? He was not a perfect man, but he was a man who was humble. Open, honest, transparent. He was willing to deal with sin as it was revealed to him. And one thing you have to notice about David when you look at his life, yes, he sins some big ones. Murder, adultery, deceit, pride. Yes, he sends some big ones, but you look and watch how he responds, how he humbles himself, how he confesses and forsakes and gets the victory. The kids sang about that topic, right? The kids, if you were looking, if you were listening, the kids were talking about in that song about uh, when you humbly coming to the Lord for, for restoration when you step aside, step out of his will. What is integrity? Is integrity the absence of error, the absence of sin? Sometimes we think of it that way. Oh, that guy, he's a man of integrity. No, I've never known him to do anything wrong. That's not actually integrity because everyone's done something wrong. If there's a person that you know who you say, I've never known them to do anything wrong, that's great. You just don't know. Okay, that's all that is to it. You just don't know what they did wrong. A person with integrity is someone who, when they are found to be in the wrong, they deal with it. They own it. They don't pass the buck. They don't hide it. They humble themselves. They make it right. And they keep going humbly trust in the Lord. And, and they, they will say, Lord, you are my righteousness. I'm not righteous. I'm trusting you. A man of character, a man of honor, will handle these things correctly. Well, you see David saying, I'm not perfect, but I know this. I haven't done the evil they're accusing me of. And Lord, if I am guilty of it, let them take me. But I'm, I'm going to make a point here. Just stick with me. Verse 9, skip ahead to verse 9. <clears throat> and I want you to think, who here hasn't prayed something like this at some time? Just think of it. Verse 9. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. You ever prayed anything like that? Ever? Maybe even just recently? <laughs> I prayed this, yeah. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. But establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reins. We were all praying that last week and the week before. Will the wickedness of the wicked ever come to an end? Will you establish the righteous? And I tell you, we, we really sing loud and hard on that one. But let me tell you what a man of character and integrity does. He doesn't just sing out verse 9. He also prays out verse 8. I wonder how many of us have prayed this recently. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, 
and according to mine integrity that is in me. Ooh. <laughs> and, uh, let's move on to verse 9. I like that one way better. Let's just go after the wickedness of the wicked, O Lord. No. Let's go back to verse 8. And why don't we start there? He is a man who recognizes that God's not just interested in dealing with the wicked. God is very interested in his dealings with the righteous. And he wants to work through us. And he wants us to be on the right side. And he does not take that for granted. He doesn't just say, because verse 9 kind of takes a couple things for granted, you might say. Verse 9, the wickedness of the wicked is over there, obviously. And, uh, the, but establish the just, well, that's obviously me. Well, is it? Yeah, hopefully it is. But he is saying, Lord, I want to make sure I'm on the right side. Judge me first. And make sure that I am on the side of the just, on the side of righteousness. And he says, judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity that is in me. You know, this is the same guy, <clears throat> you remember, who prayed the prayer, search me, O God, remember? And know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Now, many of us have prayed that verse because it's a verse and we pray verses. But I wonder how many of us would come up with that verse on our own. Search me, O Lord, and try me, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and know my thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, do, are we really ready to go there with the Lord? David, again, he was not a perfect guy, but he so longed after the Lord. He so wanted to walk with the Lord. He's like, I want everything open. I want everything dealt with. I want I believe I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, but if there's something I'm missing, please point it out and I'll deal with it because I'm on your side. I'm not on, on the wicked side. I'm on your side. And when the judgment falls, I want to make sure I'm on the right side and not just take that for granted. Take out the wickedness of the wicked and establish the just. He's not going to assume he's the just. He is saying, Lord, help me to daily be walking as one who is just. He talks about, David has talked about in other places in the Psalms, I, I walked in mine integrity. Again, not the absence of sin, but the transparent dealing with it upon recognition of it. Here's what I want to say. Here's the point of this. <clears throat> Could it be that we may have discovered what is part of the crucial foundation of being able to praise and thank God? the Lord. Stick with me here. Difficult times come, and some people can confidently stand in difficult times and say, God's at work. I can see he is going to win, and I'm going to praise him now and thank him for it. And others of us are like, well, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where you're getting that confidence from. Well, what is it? Praise and thanksgiving are inseparably connected with faith, right? We've talked about this a lot. Praise and thanksgiving are an outflow of faith. People who walk by faith tend to praise the Lord and thank the Lord. People who walk in doubt and darkness tend to not praise the Lord. They don't thank the Lord. 
they question the Lord. They, there's fear, there's, there's bewilderment, there's darkness, there's complaining, and there's discouragement. Faith is a, is a key, but that's not the only key I'm going to key in on here, because I've done that a lot. We've talked about faith being the key to praise and thanksgiving. Now I'm going to level deeper. So here's praise and thanksgiving. Okay, stick with me. Faith is, the, is, the, is one of the key building blocks. But under that is your integrity. That's what's holding up faith. Because I'll tell you, folks, one thing the devil does, and the devil is called the, the accuser of the brethren, one thing he does so well to harpoon our faith is, is whisper in our ear, yeah, but look at you. Look at what you're doing. I mean, you don't really believe that, or you wouldn't say this, and you don't really believe this, or you wouldn't do that. You got that in that, that closet and this, oh, that room of your life. You know, you got, you've got garbage and you've got sin. You got, whose side are you on anyway? You sure you want to start praying about the Lord judging the wicked? You might get caught in that one, buddy. You know, be careful there. And the devil just starts chewing on your ear. And, uh, you know, we look and our consciences maybe have been compromised by this and that and the other thing. And, and we begin to wonder, uh, maybe I don't even have much of a walk with God after all. And maybe... Uh, maybe I don't. I, maybe maybe I, I'm off. Maybe I can't stand up and just trust God in difficult times and stand on His promises. But who am I to claim anything with how I'm living and all that sort of thing? I don't believe that our integrity merits anything from God. That's very important to get that established. It's not like I would say, "All right, are we all?" walking with the Lord. Okay, Lord, then you have to work now because look at us. That's not how that works. But I will say our integrity will certainly undermine us as we try to walk by faith and claim the promises of God. A lack of integrity, sin in the life, will just tend to erode faith. It erodes confidence. This is why it is so important for us to live daily walking with the Lord, keeping short accounts with God. As things come between you and the Savior, Lord, forgive me for that and kick it right back to the devil. Uh, when something comes between you and your wife, don't let it go on for days on end. Uh, let's deal with that. When there's a brother or sister in Christ that you, uh, you have an issue with, let's, let's deal with that and, and be able to move forward. These are things that uh, eventually can erode faith. Folks, God needs men and women of faith today who can confidently stand in the face of adversity and say, I know what God said. I know what God promised. I know what God has done in my life. And I know what he's forgiven me of. And I'm not saying I'm a perfect person far from it. But I know that God has forgiven me perfectly. God has dealt with me according to his mercy, not according to his wrath. And I can, by faith, praise him and thank him for what he's going to do. Show me a Christian who's full of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord, and I'll show you a Christian who's walking by faith, keeping short accounts with God, not letting sin fester and erode that foundation of faith. So again, what does Satan do? 
what does he do to try to undermine faith? He will disconnect your praiser by eroding your faith through sin in the life of the believer. And this causes you to succumb to the accuser's doubts. The accuser gets work on you and you don't feel worthy anymore. You feel like a failure. Worse than that, you feel like a fake. And he'll tell you, the accuser of the brethren will tell you, you're a fake. You're a fraud. And you begin to believe it. And you're not a fake. You're not a fraud. You're a sinner saved by grace who just needs to walk with the Lord humbly. And you need to walk daily, but you don't listen to the Spirit. You're listening to the devil. He's telling you're a fake. You're telling you're a fraud. You're starting to believe it. You're getting all down. And you wonder if God's turned his wrath on you. And you wonder if his promises are even for you. You wonder if you're going to be swept away with the wicked and whatever else. And you have no ground to stand upon to praise and thank the Lord because your faith has been compromised. David, on the other hand, was able to offer thanksgiving and praise with confidence on account of the fact that the accuser was not winning in his head. He put down those, da- those, those doubts and darts. As an individual who daily walked with the Lord, he had full transparency. You see it in his writings. For David, his books are open. He had imperfections, he had outright transgressions, but they were dealt with. And he knew what side he was on. He knew what he had been forgiven, and he knew what God had promised, and he fully expected the Lord to honor his word toward him. There's a man who could have easily said, "Ah, I've sinned away the grace of God. No, he knew his God too well for that, and he knew that God had forgiven him. This confidence, the confidence he had from continually drawing close to God kept him in a place of faith, which is how you praise. It's how you thank. It was from that vantage point he's able to continually thank the Lord. So how about us today? As we close, how about us today? How's your faith? How's your faith? Are you full of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord? If you're complaining, griping, just down about life, that's not coming from a faith perspective, okay? And so ask the Lord, Lord, shore up my faith that I can start praising you. Let me ask you this, how's your integrity? Are you defeated? Has the accuser of the brethren gotten in your head? Is he winning? Are you listening to him? We need to say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him woo me back to Jesus and get these things dealt with. I know we have all prayed verse 9. Lord, deal with the wickedness of the wicked. But I want to ask you, are you willing to pray verse 8? Are you willing to pray verses 3 through 6? Verse 3 through 6 says, by the grace of God, I'm right with the Lord. And I'm so right with the Lord, I can say, If I'm guilty of whatever this enemy says I'm guilty of, let him slay me, right? And he just says, I'm going forward, going forward humbly, trusting the Lord. Are we able to let the Lord deal with us as he is uh, not just wanting to deal with the wicked, but bring us along? How long will you and I be willing and content to rail against the wicked while pandering to our, our own 
selfish indulgences and compromises. It can feel really spiritual, it can feel really patriotic, depending on what the issue is, to rail on somebody for something. And the more you rail and the louder you rail, it's kind of a saying, don't look here, don't look here, look over there where I'm hollering. But God's looking right here. And he wants to deal with us first. Are we willing to do like David and say, Lord, judge me? I'm willing for that. I want you to deal with me. If there's one thing, one takeaway that I'm taking from this election year, it is God wants to do something in us, Christians, churches. He wants to wake us up and he wants to deal with sin. So much apathy. Are you willing to get serious in your dedication to the Lord? <clears throat> when I was talking to Gene, um, sometimes he was with it and sometimes he wasn't. And one particular part, uh, point, he was, he, he kind of like startled in his, in his bed. He sat up. Hey, pastor, am I going to make it to church? That's not what I thought he was going to say. Uh, he had this look in his eyes of like terror. <gasps> am I going to make it to church? I said, well, probably not today, brother. I, I don't think you're Oh, Sunday? He just, just looking at me with these eyes intensely. Am I going to make it to church Sunday? I mean, it, it was honestly the same in, intensity as Am I going to die? <laughs> it was that intense. Am I going to go to church Sunday? I said, well, brother, I, I, I don't know. I hope so, but we got to get you down the road a little bit here. You're not, you're not feeling yourself. But I thought, man, praise the Lord for somebody who wants to be in church with God's people. And by the way, I, I just have to say this here. Uh, you know, coming to church is a great privilege. Just hanging out with Gene today taught me that again. And I, I know we had COVID come through and change the world and everybody went to live stream and so forth. Uh, I was just talking with some preachers yesterday. I went to a preacher's lunch uh, with probably 12 or 15 preachers. And uh, everybody was saying that live stream has changed everything because people are so... Uh, quick to just say, oh, it's been a tough day, the soup's late, and the kid's crying, and the dog's barking, and you know, let's just live stream tonight, uh, or whatever it is. And, and, and it's, it's too bad. We miss each other. We, we miss being able to grow together and help each other. And uh, I tried to get Gene's tablet today set up so he could watch the live stream, but he was glad for that, but he's, he wanted to be here. And I hope that's everyone's heart. And those who are live streaming, if you have to live stream because you're sick, I get it. If you uh, could have been here, but you wanted to do something else, well, then maybe you should be convicted. I, don't know. <laughs> I think, honestly, I was convicted by talking to Gene. Uh, just how badly he wanted to be in church with his people sitting right here. Um, there's other things I want to share, but I don't have time to do that tonight. Uh, but, but folks, uh, I, I believe God takes us through distress. He takes us to that place where he wants to challenge us about ourselves. Not just what he wants to do with, to the wicked, but he wants to take us closer to himself. Are you more dedicated to the Lord now than before? Are you spending more time in prayer now than before? Are you committed to being with God's people? 
Are you pulling the plow while you can? Putting in the work while you can? There will come a day where you can't. And it may come sooner than any of us think. I'm not just talking about freedom. I'm talking about health. Let's do what we can do with the time that God gives us and be thankful and praise Him. Feed your faith. Deal with sin. Walk in your integrity. Fellowshipping with the Lord and His people. Feed your faith. Face trials with, from that point of faith. That God is your defense. He is on your side. And focus yourself, focus your faith by praising Him and thanking Him throughout those trials. Lord, help us, I pray, to be as David did, men and women of integrity who are walking by faith, praising and thanking You. I pray You'd bless now as, as we just have a concluding time of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.